Welcome to No Stupid Answers, episode 18, the show with the most qualified people discussing and answering the most interesting questions from Reddit. I'm Colton Wallace, joined by Queen of Podcasting, Loria Sava. Hey, all PhD, Dr. Jessica Azarians. Oh, hey, that's me. And our resident linguist, Josh Lieto. Colton, why are archaeologists so promiscuous? Are they? Well, they are because they do it in the dirt. <laughs> <laughs> That was a pretty good joke. Wow, that was great. <laughs> Josh Leto original. Top notch. Well, I guess this won't be a good trailer episode. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> you gotta you gotta take it all. The good and the good Yeah, the good and the, the good and the gooder. Yeah. That's exactly what you need to take. Uh Josh, what kind of archaeology stories do you have from this week? Oh, yeah. Well, it turns out that humans have been around for way longer than we thought, and life always sucked. (laughs) (laughs) Word. It's the best time to be alive. Um, So Jessica and I recently went to uh, Renaissance Festival in uh, Michigan. Surprisingly amazing. Oh, yeah. I need need to hear that fanfare. (laughs) (laughs) some of our friends were going and we went along with them this past weekend so tell us all about it it was surprisingly awesome it was much bigger and more impressive than i was anticipating yeah they have all these buildings that are like i don't know if they have those there year round that are kind of stylized like that looks like pretty cool and then there's all kinds of places you can walk up to and they have like foods and drinks um and then we saw some jousting so many costumes People had amazing costumes. Yeah, it, it's just, it was a really fun experience just to kind of walk around there and take all of the yeah. renaissance in. Yeah, it's such an, there's such an experience. I was just lost for a while wandering around. Yeah, the past is a different country. They do things differently there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so next time we're going to have to dress up. We have to do it again. Oh, yeah. Well, the last time I went, it was funny because I had no such costume. I went to one out here in the West Coast and... Um, mm. But my roommate, who is kind of just an impromptu kind of a wizard kind of guy, he, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, he just had a bunch of like Renaissance relate, like things that people would have worn during the Renaissance in the trunk of his car. Okay, nice. Not even for, not even for Renaissance fair. He just like had tunics and stuff like that. So I ended up getting this massive black robe, and I went as a Spanish priest, like an Inquisition priest, and uh, just folded That's my impressive. arms and ju- folded my arms and judged everybody and kind of looked like a creep. I realized I was just a dude wearing a huge black cape the whole time. <laughs> but uh, it was actually a great time. Huh. Renaissance, well, as we all know, comes from the French word for rebirth. Oh, I didn't and know that. I hope that this weekend was a rebirth for all of us in more ways than one. But specifically, I hope you guys had a really great time and you go back. Yeah, it was pretty cool. If you ever get the chance to check one of those out, I'd recommend going. Um, I have always wanted to go. Lori, I am ready for it. With me and you. I'm ready for a giant turkey leg and some jousting. <laughs> oh, dude, I was going to ask you guys, what did you try any of the local fare? Any local dishes you ate? Um, Because when I, I think- went, I ate an entire quail. What? What? Yeah, it was a whole. They were given. They were like, you can have quails, and I or turkey legs. And I was like, well, obviously, I want a quail. <laughs> Do you think it was really a quail, or was it just like a corn Cornish game hen or something? Yeah, probably. It was just a tiny chimkin. <laughs> well, let's move on to our questions for the week. 
our first question this week posted on Reddit by user Routine Difference 37. And the question is, how did you make your long distance relationship last? And they go on to say, what struggles or setbacks did you face in a long distance distance relationship? How were you able to manage and trust your partner? What are some things that worked for you that you wish to share with other people? What gave you hope about the relationship? Where did you get scared about things like unfaithfulness, dishonesty, or lying? I want to hear it all. I'm going to be in a long distance relationship for about a year, and I want to hear others' stories. So to premise this, all four of us were in long distance relationships. Jessica and I were in a long distance relationship for a while, and uh, Josh and Lori were also in a long distance relationship. Yeah, I think that like for me, I wasn't afraid of a long distance relationship. So you know, Colton and I met when he was on vacation, and um, and then at the end of the week, like he went back to his life, and so um, you know, when we decided to pursue a relationship, we knew what we were getting into, I guess. And for me, it was a really busy time, so uh, I was working crazy hours, finishing my biochemistry degree, and working in a lab, and um. I kind of felt like having a long distance relationship at that point and it, that like time in my life that was really super busy was actually more beneficial. Um, I also had a long commute. So like I got to know Colton, um, you know, at the beginning of our relation- relationship um, and over the next few years that we were long distance driving to school every day. So like uh, my commute was about 50 minutes long. And so I call Col- Colton like at least like once a day on my either my commute there and my commute back or just like one of the two. Um, And we'd have these opportunities to have like really good long conversations and communicate with each other. And I think that that set this wonderful foundation of um, open communication in our relationship as just like a foundational quality of the way we interact with each other. And um you know, that's how I got to know Colton. And that's how I fell in love with him. And I think it was actually really good. So I didn't actually see a long distance relationship as a drawback in any way at that time. Because I felt like it was the perfect opportunity for me to really deeply get to know Colton um, through our conversations. I feel like we're glorifying the past a little bit here. <laughs> I don't know that it was that Rose awesome. It was a long distance for a while. I um, mean, I maybe it's nice. It, it's nice when it's a. It's nice when it's a nice memory and you can't go yeah, back to it. Right. <laughs> I don't know. For me, it was great. I don't think it's too rose colored for me. Maybe it wasn't as good for you well, as it was for me. But. I mean, at, at the time. So I guess another thing going into this for us is I was kind of at that point in my life, not sure where I was going to be like residing from there on out. I was kind of looking at jobs and didn't know. Dude, I know. I Tell be. me about it, man. So just trying to be your friend of... was so, it was so annoying <laughs> during that time. I was like, dude, just do it already, man. Just like go somewhere. And I remember oh when you gosh. first started, when you start, first started hanging out with Jessica, I was like, okay, that's cool. But like, you know, like time to put your foot on the gas, bro. <laughs> but anyways, tell yeah. us about it. Yeah, you should be talking, Josh. Well, hey, I got, I got, hey, I got, I got nothing to hide. Okay, long distance killed me as a person on the inside. So, I'm more alive than I am today than I've ever been, and I'm happy to say that. So, please don't take any pity on me. But I've got no delusions about long distance. There's nothing good about it, and it makes me feel physically sick to think about the phrase. I think it had its struggles. 
And it definitely would have been better to not have to deal with it for so long. Yeah, um, it was a bit long. It was three years for us. Yeah. And Routine Difference 37, they said they were going into a long distance relationship for a year. Yeah, I love how they just assume that it's going to end after a year. They're like, we're going to because <laughs> we're just going to come out of long distance or there's almost a, there's almost a supposition in, in the question that the relationship is going to end through long distance. Because like, why would this person want to know all these horrible breakup stories of people in long distance unless they're kind of planning on doing it already? I don't there's know really if I no reason okay, for that. People love murder podcasts, but they're not trying to get murdered. Like, <laughs> you know, may, hey, maybe I'm just projecting myself. I just knew that if I was in that kind of mood, I just knew that if I was going into a long distance relationship and all this kind of stuff, I wouldn't want to just hear everybody's. I wouldn't want to hear the dregs of humanity's experiences with this <laughs> aspect of life. I mean, maybe they're just trying to be realistic about mm-hmm. it and like know what to watch out for. But like, I think this person is trying to get like, maybe needs a little hype too, you know? Yeah, like, they're, they're trying to get, they, they want to feel better about the situation they're yeah. going into is what I feel like. And I think that like, going back to my original premise, like I think it really gives couples an opportunity to like build good communication skills. So like, I think that like in this instance, maybe it might be a helpful to like answer this question from a positive perspective I, or test your communication <laughs> skills. I don't, yeah. I don't Dude, know. <laughs> it is, it is, it is a test. I will say as Lori can, as Lori kind of hinted at earlier, it is a test because if you end up with the wrong person, let me tell you, we are not going to tell you all of our feelings. <laughs> it's tough the word communication is a joke like it's it is it is it is like what i'm sending out versus what you're getting versus what you think i'm trying to send you versus what you think you're getting versus what i think you think you're getting it oh is my a god complete... who has time for that no See, that's uh, what the problem is is that like the, if you just don't uh, say what you're thinking like honestly then it's a waste of everyone's time okay so you just I, to, you i'm know? a little bit with josh that i don't necessarily love talking out all my feelings over the phone all the time either so I could see where he's coming from with that. But also for if you if it is just a year, like I don't know what specific event is just like it's a year and that's defined. Um, I think one of the one of the important things, in my opinion, is knowing where the end of that tunnel is. Yeah. In a way like and not immediately, but just at some point you have to be going towards an ending. You know, not like we're just going to perpetually right. live this long distance relationship because. Because I think that would be hard. But for me, it got better when we started to see where it was converging to, where the end of that long distance relationship was. So I think it's important to like have a plan for where you're going with it. And in our our case, I feel like we had um, similar life goals that really like genuinely aligned. So we started to like make these plans together. And then when those plans started to happen, like when I was applying to grad school and all these other like really big life, um, you know, decisions, like Mm. Colton was part of that. Like it wasn't just like, oh, well, I've got this long distance relationship. It was like we were building a future even though we were apart. And like that became part of the equation for us both. And so like if you have that kind of alignment and you're working towards these shared goals like i think it can work out and it can be totally fine once like the long distance portion of your relationship is ending i think that's a good point we really haven't heard from Lori. i have a lot of thoughts on this one <laughs> um josh has a much more negative light i than I do, I think, from long distance. Uh, we were actually long distance for five years. Oh, wow. Um, which is a very long time. 
And uh, I think the last two of those years were really, really hard. The, I think that's really where um, it just it got way too long. Um, mm-hmm. But I learned so much being in long distance. I, I agree with Jessica, what you had said originally. Like, I never really went into it thinking that we were going to fail. Like, I, I never felt that way. I felt that. Uh, personally, I had a lot of things that I wanted to do and I wanted to accomplish. And me moving across the country where Josh was moving for grad school was just not going to work with the things that I wanted to do. I really wanted a career. I had an awesome job back in Michigan. I loved it. I um, could have decided to quit and move um, to California. I was not ready to do that because Mm -hmm. I felt like I would have had to give up a very individual piece of me and that my career mm-hmm. in order to kind of move for a person that I knew would support me in anything that I wanted to do. Yeah. And so to me, making that decision to not move physically wasn't ever a question because I knew we were going to be together anyway. It was going to be, it was going to work out. Um, right. And so for me, I stayed back in Michigan Um And we had a couple mantras or like things that we would keep in mind, like one day at a time. That was Mm -hmm. one big thing that we had of let's take it one day at a time and figure out what this means for us. And I think that helped me a lot. Um, A lot of letter writing, a lot of uh, Skype calls back then. Uh, We did not have smartphones for part of it. Also, I think it's really important to understand change in relationships in general, like you don't go into a relationship with somebody thinking they're going to be the exact same for eternity. Like we change, we grow as people. And I think long distance really taught me how to change and grow and how to accept Josh changing and growing. We are both growing in our careers and what we wanted to do, which also influenced how we thought about the world and what we were thinking about and the ways that we approach things. And Um, being open to that change with one another, I think was super important. And that's kind of led us to being much stronger. Um, And actually what ended our long distance was the pandemic, which was kind of crazy. Um, Josh came back for to get his visa was kind of locked here and it's been great. We got married. We have a house together. We've just been able to make the things work that we needed to work out. But I would just say my tips are don't go in thinking you're going to fail. Trust is super important. And um, so is communication. But so is being open to changing and growing together um, because you really have to understand that to have a really strong foundation. I agree with those things. But I also feel like you need to go in being prepared that it's going to be a bit lonely sometimes. And like sometimes you're going to be like, wow, this kind of sucks. But it's not just you being lonely. I mean, sure. You know, everybody gets lonely, and if you're alone, sure. It's also how can you comfort the other person when they're not with you, mm-hmm. you know? You're in a relationship with this person. You have a connection with this person. And, you know, like, you can have all these different ways to access them, like, access their voice or their, their visage through technology. But you can never touch the person. You can never hug them. And your words, I'm sorry to say, uh, I will do it. I'll be the linguist to tell you that talking about it is not always <laughs> the answer. And words do not make things better. Communication is overrated. What and about <laughs> what about little hard emoticons? <laughs> yes, emojis are much more efficient. That's why all language is turning into them. I um, deeply laugh disagree. Emoji. So, <laughs> I, I, angry I, emoji. 
I guess on top of that, I feel like it might be important that you have a com- technology, a communication technology that you both use fluently. Right. Yeah. And like you both have to be, you know, people who like don't respond to text messages for like multiple days sometimes. <laughs> and that's just how they are. Maybe not great for the person. I don't know. I don't know anybody like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so if you had stuff like that, that could be problematic. But how, I mean, how often did you guys get to see each other when you did? We made other? a point though. It wasn't like we were apart for like Lori says five years, but like. There were long periods of time in there where we were together for like months at a time. Yeah. Like over the summers and like we'd come and visit and we'd all like it was we never went. Our longest was what? Three months where it was like no, no physical contact. And we broke like we kind of said, okay, like we have to be proactive in making plans to see each other. And that's great. But I mean, something a really big pitfall, I think, of long distance that nobody, nobody anticipates um, cause I don't think you would, I don't, I don't, I, I, for me, I didn't encounter this until I was in the long distance relationship for a long time, but, um, you know, if it actually is working, if mm-hmm. you're actually able to make it work, then it's really scary for it to end all of a sudden. Right. Like what if you come back together and like, you don't like each other like that anymore because like you've been talking to each other on the phone or whatever for a year. And I think that this person on the other end, like when I say, when I when I threw out a word earlier like delusion, sure I said I said it in somewhat in, in, in jest, but I also meant it seriously. Like, don't kid yourself and think that you're gonna just be long distance for a year and then it's gonna be over, and then you're gonna you're both gonna be different people at the end of that. That experience itself is gonna change you in one way or another, and um, don't be delusional about the fact that the relationship at that point, it's not like you're through it and oh, now it's easy. Then it's hard after that. Then you have to learn how to be together after like learning and growing accustomed to being apart. So it's like right. a new dynamic that you have to like learn to live with. Right. Yeah. I found that being, I found that really difficult actually. So we, um, like Josh mentioned, we would Three months we found was too long to not see each other. So Mm -hmm. we tried up to three months and we realized, okay, this is really hard. So around every two months, um, we would definitely try to see each other. Also, um, there was like big sprints, like he said. So summertime when he was out of school, we'd be together. Also, I had convinced my company to let me go out to California for um, Mm -hmm. a couple months at a time. So there was some flexibility. It was kind of like on and off. But the hardest part was coming back together after being um, like gone for so long, because it Mm -hmm. takes a long time to get back into the swing of his routine, my routine, the things that we need, the things that we don't need. Um, neither of us were in our own house um, at like one end of the other. Uh, so it's just, it takes a long time. And our sometimes our trips would be short. And so it would take, by the time we like had finally gotten to that, it was time to go. And that was yeah. really frustrating because it can take a lot of effort to like try to re-figure out, okay, now we're back into this dance. We figured it out and now it's time to go and restart the long distance piece again, which was really kind of hard to, to juggle. How long was the longest we were apart? Like, I feel like it was only about two or three months max. I don't remember. I yeah. mean, there were times where it got longer, but um, yeah, I think it was only like maybe two or three months. 
Yeah, and ours because, was different too because like we could. I mean, you guys, you had you guys made sure that you built in like goals and goalposts and right like along the way. I uh, I well, well, like just you moving to the same state. Oh yeah, and like like being able to say that. Whereas with like us, it was like it was a very different situation where my end of was basically everything I was doing was totally open ended. Right. Like I could, I could go anywhere, be anywhere for any period of time. I was aiming for certain things. Um, and so it just made it impossible to plan anything long-term. You, you know, I couldn't like look out and be like, Oh, a year from now, you know, right. we'll be like, it was just like, Oh, a year from now I might be in a, I'll probably be in a totally different financial situation than I am right now. So it was just like the nature of being what I'm doing my, for my PhD and everything is just. Right. And I guess if me and Colton had, come together when I was in my PhD portion of my education, it would have been more difficult because like, I can see how that like is more challenging. It is more open-ended, um, you know, like for my PhD, it would have been like, you know, more of a finite ending, I guess. But like, definitely for my undergraduate degree, it was like, I knew exactly when that was going to be over and what the next plan after that was going to be, you know? So like, yeah. So I would say like a year before I graduated, we had already started to talk about like, okay, well what's happening? Like, where are we going? Like, and, and, you know, I started planning accordingly. It's like a ship takes quite a long time to turn when it's that big. I feel like it's like turning like a, like a cruise ship or like a giant mm -hmm. like cargo ship or something. Right. It, it like takes quite a long time to make those turns. And so um, and sometimes it does get stuck in the canal. <laughs> sometimes <laughs> sometimes now i'm starting to think about all like the cute things like in the, the fun times remembering like how exciting it was to like get to go and like um visit colton for a weekend it was like romantic and it was um an adventure and it was like a grand experiment yeah as opposed to now where my wife doesn't like me i guess <laughs> as we're all finding out live <laughs> Talking about. <laughs> there were lots of cute things like when there are moments when i didn't feel good josh would send me my favorite candies or like we have boxes of letters and postcards from all over wherever we were we did all the stuff we tried to we created a paper trail we did all these different things I am at a different place in my life now whereas before i was young i was fresh out of college i wanted to live in a city. I wanted to work and be known for who I was in that job. And me leaving that opportunity to for a relationship was not right at that time. And I and we've been together for what, almost 11 years now. So f half of it was long distance, but the other half wasn't. And so it's just there's a lot of lessons learned. I'm not saying I'd ever want to go back. I'm not saying that that that's the ideal way of having a relationship always, but I do think for me, it did help me grow and be my own individual so that now that I am settling down, I don't feel like I ever gave up something that I ever wanted to do. And I was supported 100% by my significant other, which is really quite impressive. I felt the same way. I felt the same way. I felt like Colton was always on my team being like, you're doing so good, like cheering me on at school. It was really hard working my ass off to try to like, you know, get into grad school and to get papers and all the things. Right. And I just felt like so supported and 
it was wonderful. I felt like the long distance became a lens and it like really focused what I wanted out of life very quickly. And we weren't fucking around, right? Mm -hmm. You have to conscientiously choose this path forward because it's not easy. And so you have to continuously and conscientiously choose to keep doing yeah. this. And, but it's, and, un it's unreasonable to expect any human being to hold to do that. Oh, it's it's, an, it's yeah. an ideal, you know? Sure. And that's, sure. That, and that's, where I, that's where I start to, that's where I just start to criticize it a little bit. Sure. And it's okay to criticize it, but like, I think that it's also okay if it's beneficial in some ways because sure. yeah. you don't do it I mean, if you don't like really truly believe in it I, and want I it. Still, I still feel like you're applying a bit of like rose colored glasses <laughs> to the whole thing, but yeah, I, it's a hard thing to do. Uh, both parties have to be in for it. Well, it's one of those things where like... If one party's not in with it, it's really yeah, easy like, to just be just peace out. You yeah, know, and that goes. So. But yeah. maybe one party's like unsure they're not into it, and they kind of pretend to be, and then you get caught in the middle of this long distance relationship figuring that out. Yeah, I can share some things that I didn't like. Um, I when it came to people talking about long distance. I have had people come up and say, oh, my gosh, how do you do it? Right. Or they say, wow, do you just not like being around each other? <laughs> or they say, like, like just all these comments. That, where it's I mean, like, that was kind of a funny joke. That person should probably become a comedian. <laughs> a pretty, pretty good joke. But it's just it's I have had a lot of people be very doubtful of it and. I think that that's one thing that is super important is making sure that your support system also supports you as well and understands like, hey, it's not going to be easy and there's going to be hard times and there's going to be other things going on. And um, to make sure that your friends are supportive in some of those things as well. And if you are friends listening to this podcast of people who have long distance relationships don't poo-poo them. Like, be kind. Support them. For sure. Because um, I think that that's yeah. just like a, a traditional way of being like, oh, you're in long distance. That's not going to work. Um, but here's you have two proof that two relationships did work out of it. My feeling is like, okay, like, I, I totally hear what you guys are saying. I also just feel like, um, I also just feel, what was my thought? <laughs> I had a thought. I'm sorry. My thought was, uh, I don't understand your comments, Josh. I'm just coming at it from all these different angles to show that they're all valid. Um, and I'm just saying that. So what was I saying? <laughs> Shit. My five biggest lessons from long distance. One, just fucking try it. Stop talking about it and just do it. it it's worth a shot. The second is don't go in assuming you'll fail. Number three, take it one day at a time. Number four, be open and ready to change personally and together. And number five, do it for you. Do it for the relationship. Fuck the riffraff. Doesn't matter what everybody else says. I think that Lori summed up in some very potent aphorisms what you really need to do to be successful long distance. And for us... My, my personal thoughts about long distance coming out of it, I mean, obviously today, I've been very negative about it, um, but 
deep down what I really think is that long distance is something that, you know, I won't make a qualification as to whether it was necessary or unnecessary at any point or whatever, but I can definitely tell you that it gave me unparalleled depth of character development that I would never have gotten not being in a long distance relationship and not being in a long distance relationship with Lori. It was incredibly difficult. Like I need to think of more like metaphors to describe how difficult it was and describe the magnitude of the difficulties that were unexpected, but were nonetheless confronted or encountered. All right. Thank you for the question. Routine difference 37. And we wish you all of the luck with your year long distance relationship. It's going to be fine. Just do it. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be great, actually. Just mm-hmm. it's, not, it's not your fault. Okay? Listen to me and, and Lori. To continue on our relationship topics for today. Our next question comes in from user Shahan Shahahari Amir, which is how important is money when it comes to attracting women in relationships? I would say that the green is the number one thing that you need to attract women in relationships. <laughs> and I think we're all pretty much unanimous in that, right, guys? all right next question (laughs) wow solved um let's revise this question to be (laughs) how do you is is money the most important thing to attract a partner well we could but uh (laughs) i guess that wasn't the exact question (laughs) all right what studies have found is that women value resources very highly and men value resources less highly and then when women, looking for a partner. Men value women as resources. <laughs> <laughs> like, is that what the study said? Because that's what it sounds like. Define resources. Uh, I mean, I think essentially it would be like income or ability to obtain so it's income. Material stuff. Because the interesting thing I found is historically studies have found that women pr- are more concerned about a man's income than men are concerned about a women's income. But then if you're talking about that, you can also get back into probably historical things from society that kind of have forced that a little bit in terms of like going back far enough to where women's opportunities for work are far different. The most interesting I found is a study from Western Sydney university, uh, Dr. Peter Jonathan in 2012. And this study looked at, if women preferred cared about if men earned their money or if they just inherited it. And it, there's a super strong preference in this study. 90% of women preferred the men who earned their money mm-hmm. as opposed to inherited it. So in a way it's like the ability to make the money as opposed to somebody who just inherited a bunch of money. Well, that's tough um, though. What was, what was the, what was the research population? I think it was 300. 300 people from where? 300 women from? Western Sydney University. So I assume that these people are from Australia. Yeah, it's really tough because that's really, that's basically, a, that is a, uh, that question as reads to me is like heavily biased for, um, for, there's like, there's possibly, there's possibility for really big cultural biases to totally uh, affect everybody's answer, basically. Mm-hmm. So, so you, you think know, in reality they wouldn't care as much if the money was inherited? The people when people are taking a when people are answering questions, they're aware of what they're doing, and they know right. that they're they're aware that what first off, what their answers, uh, their answers, they're first thinking about what their answers say about them. That's the very first thing they're thinking about. They're not actually answering, weighing the question. They're thinking, well, what does this say about me? 
And so people probably just assumed that, I mean, I think, I mean, I, without having seen the study, I would say a criticism could be that um, right. possibly it doesn't take into account biases like these in which, you know, that's, I think it'd be pretty reasonable to say that most people consider making your own money morally superior to just having money. From sure. Correct. That's just a counterpoint. I don't I didn't read the study. I mean, I would, I have that perspective. Like I would prefer a partner that had been self-made versus just, you know, like inherited wealth. Like I would consider one to be morally superior to the other, as Josh said. So that's reported preference. And that's totally different from real action, right. like practical results. And, you know, um, it's hard to know if you can parse some of these factors out at some level. I could see it being a higher concern for women who want to have kids because you automatically, if you want to have a child, will have to be away from work, whether that's to have your child or longer. And the mm-hmm. not all places... The U.S. specifically, one of the places, does not have very good family and um, maternal care for Mm -hmm. women. And so I could see subconsciously women thinking it's good that I have a a hardworking husband or or person or partner with me because I won't be able to always support myself if I want to go to have a child. So I could see that being a factor. And I think that maybe not about like how much money you have right now, but when you're looking at a partner, you're looking at like motivation and it's working for things in some way, like that they have goals they're trying to accomplish. I think different people value that Mm -hmm. and like weight that differently than other people. So I think it's like too general to be able to say like, oh, people just want somebody with a desire to do things in life or whatever, you know, in the most general sense. There is some correlation between those types of values and earning potential. But for me, they're a bit more decoupled. It's kind of like a cliche that like women are just after money, like the gold <laughs> right. digger cliche, yes. <laughs> you know, like I can see lots of scenarios where right. this does not like hold up at all. Yeah. It's first off feels like a big like a trope, like a big stereotype. Yeah. Um, so that is what it is. But then also there's like just the practical experience of people and all the different people and like us trying to like generalize it. There's so many different layers. Mm-hmm. I, I think in some ways it does matter. In like the shallowest like so, slice, but, right? God, I mean, essentially like think what all the animals do trying to like show off for a mate in some ways. But then you're assuming that making money is that doing that same function and it's only doing that. But I'm saying like, okay, what's he comes to pick me up in this car and we go back and it's his mom's house. You know, like those are, those are the same stereotypes, like where they live with their parents. So like, I think that you're going to find if you are a man and trying to find potential partners that are women, there are some that are gonna be like, Oh, he lives with his parents. I don't know about this. I'm unsure. Like what's he doing with his life? Like that's a thing that happens. I mean, I felt the same way about myself. I met you when I like had moved back 
home and I right. was living with my parents and I was thinking the same thing. Mm-hmm. Like, oh my God, like, you know, I feel like I've taken a step back in my independence in my life. Like I'm going back to school. Like I live with my fucking parents. Like I kind of felt like really like scared about that sure. and like worried that it would be something that people would judge me about and see me as a less um, attractive mate because of that. Right. And, and that's a first impression. So it's not necessarily yeah. a, a killer, but like, it's a first impression that could like kind of steer somebody away from you. I think. Yeah. So I think in ways that you are presenting your, your ability to provide resources. <laughs> um, I think it does kind of make sense. I mean, I don't know, man. Statistically, most people are born, born and die in the same economic class. Right. Right. So it right. doesn't really make that much of a difference. If you look at it from the aggregate, you mm-hmm. know, if, cause you're, you're almost talking about at that point, you're talking about like, these i don't know i just feel like the that i feel like when you think about it from that lens it kind of loses all of that nuance expl- and meaning it just loses its explanatory power it's like yeah it's mm-hmm. a stereotype women like money mm-hmm. i guess okay <laughs> like it doesn't there's really not much else to it i guess it makes sense why women would like money just like anybody likes money because you know i mean do i do i really have to say women are people <laughs> And like, we're taking a very heteronormative like approach to this anyways. You know, I I think I agree with Josh. It's like, yeah, you can take like a, an average and be like, oh, well, there it is. <laughs> Women like rich guys, but like it doesn't take into account the everyday <laughs> interactions of normal people. You yeah. know, it's not going to be a, the best predictor just to look at that one thing. I think the important thing is having a base level to afford your life. And like be able to take care of yourself. And I so maybe that's not having a ton of wealth, but Right, 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 right. Right. Mm-hmm. Having a, a a level of independence and yeah. some type of financial future is what you're actually saying. Yeah, I think it's less about the actual dollars and I think it's more about the work ethic and values that you put behind it. And I mean, if you think about like in India, when they are doing arranged marriages, they look at the values of the families that they're matching and the socioeconomic ladder that they are in and all those things. And um, and that's for a reason, because I think those things match up. And if you are um, working really hard and you want to be supported by somebody who's also working really hard, if you really value that, then you're going to want to find somebody that has that. If you want more of stability or you want more flexibility, like what are the things that you're looking for? I think those are the things that underroot what we're talking about instead of just money. All right. Thank you for the question. And uh, I hope we have sufficiently answered it for you. Our next question posted on reddit by user billyboyman123 and the question is is it a red flag if a guy doesn't have a bed frame (laughs) i feel like there's no point in the frame i was lazy to not put it on i have a queen bed and i sleep well without the frame thoughts (laughs) big red flag major point of judgment it's a small red flag okay small red flag i would agree with that does he have an air mattress or a real mattress? <laughs> Good point. I believe it's a real mattress. Does he have other furniture or not? <laughs> I have a lot of questions. Also valid. It's like a flow chart for me. Like, <laughs> does the rest of the apartment look as unfinished as the bedroom? 
Lori's just trying calling back to what the process she was going through when I used to not have a bed frame. <laughs> Did you not have a bed frame? Oh yeah, when I lived down south, I didn't have a bed frame for like four years. It was. I mean, I, I had, I had a box. Either I had point. a regular box spring mattress, and then a mattress on top of that. But I didn't have like yeah. a frame. You know, it was fine. But that's a difference. If you have like a box spring plus the bed, I'm kind of okay with that. But just a mattress on the ground, it just feels very unfinished. Sophomoric. I have always had at least the box spring. I think I've had a frame most of the time. I'm trying to think back to all the apartments I've lived in. For me, when I got my first, like, real bed frame, I, like, felt really accomplished. But I don't think I would judge somebody for not having one because I've been there before. <laughs> I feel like it is kind of a unnecessary purchase right away but once you kind of are feeling like you're settling it's like i'm gonna get a bed frame and it's gonna be legit uh but i i have been there before Mm -hmm. and i think that i couldn't consider it a full red flag unless the whole house is like that and like it's dirty dirty is way more uh of a red flag than having a bed on the ground that's true because you know a woman in my 30s, if I was dating somebody and I went over to a man's house or a woman's house in their 30s okay, that's true. and like they didn't have a bed frame, I'd be like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, get a bed frame like you're in your 30s. And like, to me, it's like a cleanliness thing. So like Lori made the comment that like a clean, it's more about the cleanliness. I think a br- bed frame goes more along with that than like status. It's an age thing. I think it's yeah. an age thing. Like, I definitely fully agree. What's I think when I was younger, I could care less. 25. Yes. Yeah, I think like 25, like late 20s is mm-hmm. starting to transition yep. to like, okay, we're going to get a real couch, not a futon. Josh, did you make the cut? <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, I mean, I had, and when I was in Indonesia last time, I didn't have a bed frame. I didn't have much ownership over the place I was staying, but uh, it was 100% a twin mattress on the floor, and that's where (laughs) I slept for a while, and it was horrible. I think it's very classist to say that you need a bed frame. Also a good counterpoint. I also kind of agree, but like because bed frames don't have to be gratuitously expensive, and they, to me, are more of a marker of polish and cleanliness that it like can be decoupled from classism so i would agree with you i'm not looking for like an extravagant designer platform just like get it off the floor i think a box spring is fine i think if you have a box spring that counts for at least enough so i think our our answer here then is is a bed having no bed frame a red flag not by itself but if the rest of your place is dirty and not put together not having a bed frame is just going to add to that. So more importantly than a bed frame, make sure you're being clean and your place is, you know, tidied up. Then worry about a bed frame. I agree with that. We'll, we'll say that's the minimum common denominator. Our last question this week, posted on Reddit by user Creative Store. And the question is, are house coats and or robes outdated? Does anyone wear house coats anymore? I, 28 female, 
have been told I carry myself like a grandma because I wear a house coat. <laughs> Hero. <laughs> I know there know are people. Up. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I know there are still some people that wear them, and I, but I didn't think they were outdated. They're not. So... They are not. <laughs> they are comfortable. They are cozy. They're everything everybody wants. There's a reason they were made in the first place. I stick by this. They're not out of date, and I encourage more people to wear them. Do you have a house coat, Lori? I, my grandmother did, and I always wanted one. I never had the cool one that she had with all the buttons, but I do have a robe. I have a couple robes that I really like. And recently, I've been watching The Crown, and the queen wears a lot of, like, house coats and, like, nightgowns. And yesterday, I was like, man, I need more of that in my life. Why don't I have more nightgowns? But I think our modern version is like large t-shirts, very large t-shirts, <laughs> which is pretty much kind of like an overcoat. I don't know. See, I feel like you're making the argument for them being outdated right now. No, 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 no. A house coat gives you a polish, but also the comfort. I've seen like some really cool house house coats with fabulous patterns on them from like the 60s and they just have this beautiful flow to them <laughs> and they're so regal it has a whole aesthetic to it it just like is a vibe that is polished but also so relaxed and i am the queen of my castle yeah i like the word regal i had a bathrobe when i was a kid <laughs> is that the last time you had a bathrobe? Yeah, it was. Uh, it was are a, not the same. Yeah, it was. It was pretty thin fabric, but it was opaque. What do you mean bathrobes are not the same? They're not the same. A bathrobe has a like a t like a belt tie. Like a yes. house coat has like buttons or no buttons at the all. The question asks about house coats and robes. Oh, it does. Okay, well, my my bad, my mistake. Right. Well, they are different though, because this is different than yes. what Lori and Jessica were just talking about. It was a uh, let's see, how do I describe this? It, its colors were. I, I these are I, these are a classic combination. I know modern artists and fashion designers <laughs> can never stop putting together blue and black. Right. Yeah. It was in a, a robe. It was a blue and black ho house robe. The 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 pattern was it was like a, it was like a checkerboard pattern, but instead of white and black, it was like blue and black. And wow. it was it was like kind of a lighter blue, um, mm -hmm. like medium, not like a sky blue, but like halfway between a sky blue and a regular blue. But um, the thing I was going to add was that bathrobes bathrobes are also great little storage compartments and transportation containers for your tiny or small size dogs. And I used to take my <laughs> grand, my grandmas and my uncle. They used to have little. They always had little dachshunds, and I have a picture of me with. I always used to put them in my bathrobe and walk, and just they would just. I would just hang out with them. That was just my little dog. I was not expecting that at all. No, yeah, me that was. <laughs> to me, I feel like, uh, as far as like house coats and like, relax where you'd wear around your house. To me, what what people would call athleisure has kind of taken over that, like where I'm going to wear sweats and a T-shirt. But that's or, not or regal. Like, OK, right. but but are any of you guys wearing house coats? <laughs> Arguably, no. Okay. But like, no. I want I kind of wish I know I kind of want one now. It's like asking us if we drive a Rolls Royce. It's like, no, <laughs> but it would be good, I guess. So. Yeah. To me, I feel like house coats and robes because I think you get the classic like you watch a movie and the dad is there 
eating breakfast, drinking his coffee in his robe, and then he walks outside in his robe to get the paper. Okay, so we're in the 1980s right now. I guess. And in the woman wearing a house coat, she's in the 1970s or the 1960s. But, it's like the aesthetic that I'm getting. But I feel like that's not... I'm Never am I in the morning like putting my robe on just hanging out. Like, I don't... I, oh, how do I get that? <laughs> you that's, need a that nicer robe. Dude, yeah, I used to do, do that as a kid all the time. As a kid, ba- right. But, yeah. But like... I, I'm saying now, like, I don't even have the time to sit around and just hang out in my robe in the morning. We could coffee and robes if you want. Let's do it tomorrow. But you got a robe? To? I, think I-, I kind of feel like most terry cloth robes are too, like, heavy and hot, and I, I find them uncomfortable. So I actually bought a robe that's made out of this, like, really light, like, muslin cotton fabric. And I usually wear that when I'm, like, doing my hair and shit. So, like... You know, I just um, feel like I'm more lighter. comfortable in like shorts and sw- shorts or sweats and a T-shirt. And then if I need like a sweatshirt, like that is the most comfortable. No house coat or robe is more comfortable Have you given a house coat a that. shot? You he can't say that true. it's more comfortable <laughs> or not more comfortable if you haven't it. Tried doesn't it. look comfortable compared to my like hooded sweatshirt. Okay. <laughs> so. Speculation. <laughs> I think we need an experiment for a week. Everybody yeah. has to get a house coat. I think we should have a house coat party. We could have wine. Can men, is there like house coats for men? Is that a thing? I'm sure there is. Oh, okay. Yeah. I didn't know if house coats were like a gender. Women only. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. I just, the image in my mind that's p- coming up when I like think about this is like 1960s, you know, women, but like that's just a narrow slice of it. You guys think that they're not outdated? I to me they are. I thought they were because I don't. I don't. They probably technically are outdated because you can't find them in a regular store nowadays. However, I don't think that they should be outdated. Right. I think that they have a lot of qualities that we should definitely bring back if people consider them out of date. Where else are you going to put your cigarettes? You know. <laughs> And your puppies. <laughs> I'd like to know what percentage of people out there are still wearing robes because I think it's really low. I don't think people are wearing robes anymore. I think there's a lot of people wearing robes. I think the house coat is the one that's outdated. Yeah, no. it's robes that have like overtaken. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I like to, like I said, I like to wear my robe when I'm getting ready. All right. So, uh, creative store, house coats are outdated. You can still wear them though. That's fine. I think you can just actually. Maybe we should bring them back. You can still just wear house coats. It doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Um. But and robes are not outdated. They might be. No, they're definitely not. We got robes for um as a bridesmaid's present uh recently. Like they're very common gifts. Yeah. I think. All right. So robes are not outdated. That's Correct. Our decision. Correct. Final answer. I stand by it. All right. Thank you for your question, Creative Store. That's all the questions we have for this week. Uh, you can see the questions discussed on the show or share the best questions you find on Reddit with us on our subreddit, r slash no stupid answers pod. You can follow us on Twitter at NOSA underscore podcast. Uh, subscribe to us wherever you get your podcast. And if you like the show, please give us five stars on your podcast app of choice. And we'll see you next time. Bye, all. Not talking about that fucking white and beige wood hammock your parents have out in the backyard. I'm talking about a real hammock that you can sleep in the rainforest with.